Welcome to Economics Echo, where distilling and discussing is the name of the game. Before we begin, a quick disclaimer. I am not, I repeat, I am not a financial advisor, nor am I a hedge fund manager or any type of market participant. I'm basically here for educational and maybe some occasional entertainment purposes. All right. Okay. That's out of the way. Let's get into the episode, shall we? Yo, 2021 is off to an absolute flyer. Goodness gracious me, what a time to be alive. Now, if I was a fortune teller and I told you that at the beginning of the year, in 2021, we were going to have an insurrection on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., causing the sitting president to be impeached with days until he leaves office, or that GameStop, an outdated brick-and-mortar gaming retailer, would see its share price up over 1,600% in one month in a pandemic, mind you, when we are all locked down in our homes. And then I told you that this spike in share price was as a result of an uprising from a community on Reddit? Hard to believe, right? Or is it? Considering what we went through and experienced in 2020, maybe, just maybe, you might actually believe me. Alright, so what are we talking about here? As always on the Economics Echo podcast, a bit of background. And I'm actually going to defer this over to Alexis who is a former Wall Street professional who then took her expertise and experience, turned to Occupy Wall Street, which is a protest movement against economic inequality. And Alexis works over there and campaigns for financial reform. And, you know, I thought she did a pretty good job of giving a rundown of what happened last week with the events that we saw on the stock markets. And she was on a Twitch stream with Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, a prominent member of the Democratic Party in the US. So hopefully uh, you enjoy and uh, pretty get a good sense of the things that happened last week and why they're important. Sure. So I think it's a combination of things. Um, I would say we have a K-shaped recovery right now, right? We have some people that are doing terribly, that are still unemployed. We have some people who are fortunate enough to work from home, who have some disposable income and extra time on their hands. Um, Some of the people in the latter category have begun trading stocks in their spare time um, at home and, uh, you know, working remotely with nothing else to do. And so this Reddit forum that's been around for a very long time called Wall Street Bets, I think, grew and grew and grew just as a lot of people, again, and I want to say this isn't everybody, I know a lot of people don't have disposable income to trade stocks and to trade options. Um, But some people got really interested in this forum, it grew. And one technique that I would say Wall Street certainly has used against each other historically is trying to squeeze what are called shorts. So a short, so you can buy stocks, right, that lets you own a tiny piece of a company. You can also bet against a stock, a stock, and that's called shorting a stock. And the way that that works operationally is you borrow that stock from somebody else, you immediately sell it, and then you hope that it goes down. And if it goes down a lot, you can buy it for really cheap, you return it back to the person you borrowed it from, and you get to keep the profit. Um, so that works fine and good if the stock goes down. But if the stock got to go up and up and up, now you're losing a lot of money, Now you're starting to sweat. Now you're starting to get nervous. And you either have to hold it out um, and hope that it turns around or you have to buy it back for much more money. And so the sort of scheme, I guess, or the idea on Wall Street bets was to find stocks that they liked and thought were good, that were very heavily shorted, buy them, tell everybody and all their friends to buy them, and that would force the shorts to eventually give up and have to buy the stock back themselves, which would only then raise the price even more. Um, I will say that the other thing that made GameStop and all these other stocks go up even higher than that is people were also buying what are called options. And options 
are a derivative. <laughs> this starts to get into an alphabet soup, so feel free to break in at any time. But of course. An option gives you the right, but not the obligation, to buy a stock in the future for a set price. So an option on GameStop that expires in a week um, might have what's called a strike price, and the strike price is the price you get to buy it at in the future. And why am I saying all of this? When you buy an option, you buy it from somebody on Wall Street, typically a market maker, who usually owns that stock. And they are saying, I have 100 shares of stock, and I am agreeing to sell it to you in the future at a set price. But if they don't own the stock, they have to buy the stock to hedge the position. So you had short sellers who were potentially going to have to buy GameStop. You had people on Wall Street bets buying a lot of GameStop. You had people on Wall Street bets buying options on GameStop, and then you had the people selling the Wall Street betters options also having to buy GameStop stock in order to hedge their options position. So that sort of created this upward momentum in the stock. Um, I do want to say that I don't think it's that simple. I think the important thing to remember about Wall Street is they don't want to know, they don't want other people to know what they're trading. They want to know what their competitors are trading, and their competitors want to hide it from them. They pay a lot of money to try to figure out what their competitors are trading. And all of a sudden, you had a Reddit forum that was telling everyone on Wall Street not only what their position was, what their plans for the position was, and what they were trying to get their friends to do with the position, which you know, is actually Wall Street's dream is to know what other people are going to do with a stock in the future. So what I suspect happened is in addition to all these people on Reddit buying, in addition to the people who were hedging their option sales buying, you had a lot of people on Wall Street saying, oh, this is going to go up and I'm going to get ahead of it. And I'm going to ride it all the way to the top. And when it starts to crash, I'm going to ride it all the way back to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the shortest possible version I can give about what what started this. So... And there's one other wrinkle to all of this that I think is important for folks to know, which is a lot of folks have used the app Robinhood, which I like to think of as the Facebook of stock trading. And I say that because Facebook is sort of designed to keep you on Facebook, right? It's designed to grab your attention and keep your attention. And Robinhood is very similar. I, I would describe it as gamified. I know a lot of Robinhood folks would disagree with that assessment. That's just my personal assessment. Um, But Robinhood is free, it doesn't charge commission, and the way that their business model works is they sell their order flow to market makers, which are these sophisticated Wall Street participants who execute the orders for them. The market maker they sell the most of their flow to is a hedge fund named Citadel. And Citadel is not just a hedge fund, they are also a market maker, they are also a technology company, they are owned by a billionaire named Ken Griffin, who is out of Chicago, who has funded some very questionable things in his political giving. Um, But Citadel pays for Robinhood's order flow. And strangely enough, or maybe not so strangely, one of the hedge funds that Wall Street Bets was very excited about blowing up, Melvin Capital, was rescued by Citadel after it blew up. So Citadel is paying for the order flow on Robinhood, which is driving up the price of the stock, which crashed one hedge fund, and then Citadel sort of bought that hedge fund on the cheap after it crashed. So yes, absolutely. That's the gist of it. Now, just to recap, in a nutshell, we essentially have a Reddit community called Wall Street Bets, and last week they sent Wall Street into a frenzy by taking on short sellers. These are investors who bet on companies doing worse not better in the future. The group has been scooping up shares in struggling companies like GameStop, AMC Entertainment, Nokia and others pushing their share prices sky high. In the process, the day traders have tanked investors who bet against those companies like hedge funds and other establishment Wall Street firms that shorted GameStop have actually lost, get this, $19 billion so far this year. Many analysts have speculated that this is a bubble and that share prices will eventually plummet, leaving those day traders from Wall Street Bets and other platforms 
with massive losses. But the sheer scale and speed at which these day traders have been able to move share prices may actually signal that we are in uncharted territory. Either way, though, the influence of Wall Street bets, which, by the way, has ballooned to up to 8 million members last time I checked this week, isn't going away anytime soon. So after a massive week of market volatility, here's who's in the money and who's not. The winners and losers from the Wall Street Bets Reddit saga. Let's go. Winner number one. Wall Street Bet members and other retail investors who got in early. Now, it's important to note that these individuals on this Wall Street Bet Reddit community are mostly retail investors. Now, retail investors are non-professional individual investors or traders who aren't part of any financial firm like hedge funds, private equity firms or investment banks. So by hyping up stocks and mobilizing the masses to get in on the action, these day traders boosted stocks to the surprise of many Wall Street firms. The, the, the Redditor who's credited with helping light the match under GameStop claimed he turned, get this, he claims he turned $54,000 into $48 million. But these traders' decisions to buy aren't always grounded in the fundamentals of how a business is performing. And if the market eventually calls on these stocks, they could be left out in the cold if they're unable to sell shares before the price drops. Loser number one, short sellers. So firms like Citadel, Melvin Capital, Cetron and Point72, which had bet against GameStop and other companies targeted by Wall Street bets, bailed on their short positions after weeks of taking a beating. GameStop short sellers alone are down $19 billion on the year. Winner number two, GameStop, AMC, and other stocks targeted by Wall Street bets. So we all know that video game stores and movie theaters have not been doing particularly well lately, especially when you throw a global pandemic in the mix. But uh, thanks to this Reddit-fueled investing craze, GameStop stock, their share price, is up over 1,600% year-to-date, while AMC that's up um, over 300%. So that means more cash in their coffers to bolster their businesses. Other companies riding the wave include BlackBerry, Bed Bath & Beyond, Nokia, and American Airlines. Winner number two, investors in those companies. It's important to note that uh, not all of Wall Street is actually losing out on this uh, shakeup, if you want to call it that. Institutional investors who initially owned shares in companies like GameStop and AMC before they were targeted by Wall Street bets are actually looking pretty good and they're in great shape. Take uh, Silver Lake Partners, a private equity firm that held $600 million in AMC debt. They cashed in on that investment last week by converting it to equity and getting out while it could. And in doing so, they actually turned a $113 million profit. ka -ching. Winner number three, individual, already wealthy investors. Wealthy individuals, even if they're operating independent of the Wall Street establishment, still have money to throw around when opportunities like this pop up. Take a billionaire investor, Chamath Paliha. Pitya, I hope I haven't butchered his name too much. He scored big and cashed out on his bullish $125,000 bet on GameStop, which at one point was up 300%. I'll let you do the math on that one. Loser number two, Robinhood and other trading apps. So amid the frantic nature and just the frantic trading that we saw last week, Popular free stock trading apps like Robinhood 
restricted their users, many of whom are also members of Wall Street Bets, from buying these red-hot stocks. That prompted swift backlash, as you'd imagine, from those users, as well as lawmakers and regulators who accused Robinhood and similar platforms of enabling Wall Street firms, which don't trade via Robinhood, and were still able to buy and sell freely to play by different rules. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren and other progressives in the House of Representatives, other congresswomen like uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, as well as a few conservative lawmakers like Senator Ted Cruz, condemned the trading limits that Robinhood um, and other trading platforms enacted. In fact, last week Friday, Robinhood published a blog <laughs> which was titled What Happened This Week, explaining the fallout. Winner number four, I think, one number four. Um, and uh, this winner is actually, I think this one has been overlooked by everything that's been going on in this saga. And I think this could be such a huge boost for this particular entity in what's what's go what's been going on and what happened last week do you know who that winner is it's it's reddit uh so you know amid the historically high wealth and income inequality which has only worsened during the pandemic day traders use of reddit to mobilize the masses make quick fortunes and take on wall street will probably bode well for the social media platform. And I'm interested to see where Reddit goes from here and how much of a boost they will actually get from what, what happened in the markets last week. So as a result of the complete mayhem we saw on the stock markets last week, we had a situation whereby hedge fund managers on Wall Street were running around like headless chickens in a panic, desperately trying to protect their investment portfolios after a Reddit community helped tank Melvin Capital's short positions. And because of this, among many other reasons, the brokers like Robinhood, Interactive Brokers, Charles Schwab, Ameritrade, plus others, took matters into their own hands and restricted trading in those popular, high-risk, red-hot meme stocks. In order to explain their actions, two online brokerages, in particular Robinhood and Interactive Brokers, sent out some press statements out to the media. Robinhood had this to say, quote, Our mission at Robinhood is to democratise finance for all. We are proud to have created a platform that has helped everyday people from all backgrounds shape their financial futures and invest for the long term. We continuously monitor the markets and make changes where necessary. In light of recent volatility, we are restricting transactions for certain securities to position, including AMC Entertainment, BlackBerry, GameStop, Nokia, and others. We also raised margin requirements for certain securities. On the other hand, Interactive Brokers also had their statement, uh, and they, they said this, quote, As of midday yesterday, i.e. January 27th last week, Interactive Brokers has put AMC, BlackBerry, GameStop and other shares and options trading into liquidation only due to the extraordinary volatility in the markets. In addition, long stock positions will require 100% margin and short stock positions will require 300% margin until further notice. Now, Reading that, don't know about you, listening to it, but uh, that kind of sounds like a whole lot of BS. Just corporate miscellaneous mumbo jumbo. So let's get into the rationale as to why these brokers took the steps that they did. And it just boils down to this. These were technical and operational decisions. You know, these brokers have non-negotiable financial requirements with what are called clearing houses. 
Now, I don't want to bore you too much, uh, but let's kind of define what clearing houses are. So clearing houses are central organizations that sit between different players and manage the risk to the market if one side defaults. So that, 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 that's, that's one, uh, one reason as to why they took the step. The other being um, the regulations surrounding the, the, the functioning of financial markets. So we, in the United States, they have the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. Now, the SEC requires brokers, on, whether online or offline, it requires them to have a certain amount of net capital. Um, otherwise, the SEC will be, in effect, be forced to shut them down. So, in essence, we could say that uh, this boils down to obligations with clients and markets. You know, they have uh, obligations and markets. These brokers have contracts, agreements um, that they have signed, and they have no choice but to oblige and abide by those uh, contracts and agreements. Otherwise, their business will be in jeopardy. So, given that, can we really say that there was any wrongdoing from the part of Robinhood, Interactive Brokers, Charles Schwab, Ameritrade, or, or any of these online brokers? Can we really say they did anything illegal? Can we really say that... Um, they, you know, screwed over the, 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 the little guy, the retail investors. It just seems to me that they've just really just been following the laws that they have to oblige and abide by. I say I as in me, but um, I probably should say judging by the evidence, it seems like there's nothing shady or suspect going on here. And that the brokers are simply doing their jobs. But um, that assessment wasn't enough to satisfy everyone. In fact, there was a significant backlash from outsiders looking in, judging the tactics taken by the brokers. From the world of politics, whether you're on the left or on the right of that political spectrum, you were dismayed by the actions taken by these online brokerages. Take uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, a prominent member of the Democratic Party, the liberal wing of the Democratic Party in the US. Um, she had this to say in a tweet expressing her disappointment. And I quote, this is unacceptable. We now need to know more about Robinhood's decision to block retail investors from purchasing stock while hedge funds are freely available, freely able to trade the stock as they see fit. As a member of the Financial Services Committee, I would support a hearing if necessary. End quote. Now, that's not surprising. You know, AOC is uh, part of the liberal wing of the Democratic Party, as I said before. Um, she's, you know, pro the little guy you know wealth inequality income inequality all that good stuff but the surprising bit was who chimed into the conversation and this was a republican a conservative republican on the right side of the political spectrum senator ted cruz he came in and actually retweeted aoc's tweet um and he went further and he, he wrote fully agree now, I think um, this might ring some alarm bells from, from for, for these brokerages when you're uniting the left and the right on this particular issue and just shows the magnitude of this Wall Street bets versus Wall Street um, issue and how it's uniting those who normally do not see eye to eye. AOC and Senator Ted Cruz, I don't think they agree on a single thing. Whether it's the Green New Deal or a new wealth tax, nothing at all. How about the regulators? How are they thinking and feeling about all of this unfolding before their eyes? Well, I mentioned the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, the SEC uh, in the US. That's the big uh, 
regulator that oversees the financial markets and kind of monitors derivatives trading. Well, they had this to say. Uh, they weighed, weighed into the issue earlier on Friday, last week Friday, to say it would review restrictions imposed by Robinhood and others to see if they may disadvantage investors or otherwise unduly inhibit their ability to trade certain securities. They went further on to say that they'll work with other regulators and exchanges to ensure that regulated entities uphold their obligations to protect investors and to identify and pursue potential wrongdoing. So, in essence, they're... The SEC is pretty much just saying, we're just monitoring the situation and uh, we'll come back to you when we made a decision, I guess. And uh, we know this because um, the White House um, was actually um, asked on this particular issue and what, what they thought about it. And they also said, we're just monitoring um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how things unfold. And how about the retail investors? How were they feeling and reacting to this ban essentially that was placed upon them uh there's only one word to describe it i think furious they were absolutely livid and uh they took to social media to vent vent their frustrations uh in particular twitter one person tweeted remember when uh robin hood was on the side of the people <laughs> and uh, another said somebody is going to have to explain to me in what world Robin Hood and others is literally trying to force a crash by closing the open market is fair. They should all be in jail. Strong words. Strong words. And then, again, surprisingly, you know, Ja Rule. Yeah, Ja Rule, the rapper. He chimed into some conversation by tweeting that, and I quote, the hedge fund, hedge fund guy shorted these stocks. Now we can't buy them. People start selling out of fear. We lose money. They make money on the short. This is an effing crime. He went on further in another tweet saying, Yo, this is an effing crime. What Robin Hood is doing, do not sell. Hold the line. WTF. There you have it, folks. The little guy, the retail investors have spoken. Despite all the mayhem, anger and frustration that we saw last week um, from all sides. It's important to note that um, not all brokerages are made the same. Take um, Wealthsimple, an online brokerage from Canada, and uh, their CEO, uh, Mike Katchin, I think his name is, he did an interview with uh, Bloomberg News Television, and um, they pretty much quizzed him and asked him like, yo, um, how come you're not following your American counterparts in, um, you know, limiting trading or some of these high risk, quote unquote, high risk stocks um, like in GameStop and um, BlackBerry and Nokia and all these other uh, AMC Entertainment, and all these other entities. And uh, his response was basically this. He said, um, no, we can't do that because we take our cues from regulators and it's not our decision to make in restricting trading of certain securities and he also went on further to say that um because of the platform uh world simple they don't have any margin or options trading exposure so that kind of um that kind of eases the, the 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 burden on world simple so in essence, you know, their business model is slightly different from a Robin Hood or an interactive brokers in that sense where they're not as exposed to those really risky um, securities in that regard. And he said this, which I which kind of caught my eye as well, uh, caught my ears um, when he said we at Wealthsimple actually prefer to educate to our customers about certain securities and their risk profiles rather than dictate to them and rather than tell them, no, don't trade this or try this and this, this kind of stuff. So they rather educate than dictate to their customer base, which I thought is something refreshing that uh, maybe these other American counterparts can some, you know, employ in, the, in, their, in their business model as well. 
But, um, you know, we can always rely on our Canadians. You know, good old Canada doing what's best. Okay, so what are my thoughts? What's my insight on this whole saga? Um, there's lots to say, lots to unpack. So let's get into it. For me, this boils down to two issues, trust and power. Let's tackle trust firstly. When I say trust, I'm talking about trust in government, trust in Wall Street, and trust in institutions. So, you know, the demographics of the people on this Wall Street bets Reddit community are so important. We um, went through this early on as well, but let's tackle it again. Because these are millennials. These are Generation Z young people. And that, that's important because if you rewind back in time, when they were these people were at a young age, they were funneled this philosophy whereby they were taught how to succeed in life. And the primary way to succeed in life, the way they were taught was that is through education. You know, you go to school, you go to university, get that degree, and then you come out the other side and get that good middle class job, you know, high paying job, and you get a house, a car, and everything is hunky dory, a land of milk and honey. And these uh, these children believed all of that and they did go to school and they were the best in class. They went to university, got that degree and then they came out the other side and then they realized that what they were taught and the reality that they face aren't living up to each other. And, you know, whether it, whether it's the good middle class job that they were promised by their you know, parents who told them, told them this, whether it was the government who told them this, that the economy would be able to support them, the good middle class working job, that hasn't materialised. And whether it's home ownership, they certainly do not own a home. Whether it's a car, they might have a car, but it's a Mazda and not a Mercedes. So this, all of this, um, if you combine all of this, this kind of erodes the trust in those institutions, you know, the education, in government, in maybe even parents. And this may be, this saga that we saw last week may be a manifestation of all of that stuff that has been bubbling up for years and now we are where we are right now. And then power. And power, this is essentially, you know, exacerbating the gap between and exposing the gap between the rich and the poor whereby it's one rule for the rich, the mighty and the powerful, and another rule for the little guy, the poor. Which is really sad to see, really, um, in the world that we live in today. Okay, so who is to blame for the chaos, the mayhem, and just the complete mess we saw on stock markets last week? In other words, who is the boogeyman? And the answer to that question really just depends on who you actually ask. If you ask the mass media, they were already pointing fingers at those pesky millennial retail investors on the Wall Street Bets Reddit community. Take this headline from the New York Times uh, newspaper. It reads, amateur investors, perhaps propelled by a mix of greed and boredom, are looking to teach Wall Street a lesson. I think that's pretty clear cut where they stand on the issue. And best believe, hedge funds, uh, private equity firms and uh, investment banks would probably agree with that notion. However, I do think it's uh, important to kind of distinguish between the different types of retail investors on the Wall Street Bets Reddit community. Because, of course, for sure, there are many on that particular platform who are just there to make a quick buck, who are there to make a fortune by gaining trading ideas from many other people around the world. And that's understandable. That's, you know, that, that, that's fine. I'm not condemning them. Who knows? I probably might even do the same. But um, there's others, perhaps they're in the minority, on Wall Street bets, who are far more radical, shall we say. And they are looking 
to make an actual statement. A statement of going toe-to-toe with the Wall Street establishment at their own game and then coming out on the other side victorious. For them, this is about leveling out the playing field. Power to the people. Leveling out the playing field between Wall Street and retail investors. Because, you know, for decades, Wall Street has been using the stock market as, you know, their own little playground, exclusive playground whereby they reap the huge rewards from it. And the rest of us, the the little guys, don't really have access or, you know, access, we might have access, but we don't get to reach those heights. And for them, this is about, as I say, power to the people, making a statement and just sending a huge, for lack of a better term, for lack of a better phrase, this is about sending a huge middle finger to Wall Street. And you have to say, they have achieved their goal and objective. And speaking of retail investors, is anyone actually going to ask the retail investor on Wall Street bets? about how they're thinking and feeling concerning last week's events on the stock markets. Because so far, from the media coverage that I've seen, you know, we're getting perspectives from hedge funds, politicians, regulators, and the brokerages themselves. But the retail investor who's been actively involved in all of this doesn't really have a voice. And this is where I think the bias and this distorted view of the retail investor and Wall Street bets, the Reddit community, comes from. And that just goes further to reinforce the ideals of the Wall Street bets community, whereby they're fighting for inclusivity and having a seat at the table and having a slice of the pie. Do you want to know who I blame? Honestly, I think the blame should be shared around. Um, This is not a one dimensional thing, but the real culprits for me is the central banks, you know, because we live in a zero interest rate world whereby there's literally nowhere else to put your money and earn a decent return. But the stock market, what you're going to put your money in a savings account at your local bank and struggle to get even one percent return. And if inflation is at what, two percent, you're losing 1% and that's pretty much dead money. So, you know, this is the thing whereby everyone is just parking their money in stock markets. All those stimulus checks that we saw last year and maybe coming this year in the US, where's that money going? Straight into the stock market. And then we look at each other surprised like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Why are the stock market so disconnected from what's happening in the real economy? Well, duh, when you flood the system with so much liquidity and then you have central banks cutting, slashing interest rates to zero or sometimes even into negative territory and pumping so much liquidity and QE and just money supply into the system. Yeah, these are some of the unintended consequences of all of that. So I don't know. Listen, and at the same time, Of course, of course, I do understand the economics behind the steps that the central banks have taken over the years. You know, it was necessary. But um, these are some of the unintended consequences. And definitely the GameStop thing is one of those unintended consequences to all of that. By the way, by the way, if you remove the global pandemic out of the equation, Do you really think any of this would have happened? Because personally, I don't think so. Now, that's not to say it never could happen or it never would happen in the future. But um, I definitely think the pandemic plays a key factor into all of this. You know, over the, the last few months, we've seen household savings rates reach record highs. And people are just, you know, using their savings to park their money in uh in online brokerages like Robinhood interactive brokers and we've seen this boom in retail investments retail investors coming to the market and people are essentially playing around with their money and you know boredom plays a factor into this 
you know, we're all quarantining, locked down in our homes and looking for a bit of excitement. And whether you understand what you're doing or not, people are still, you know, putting their putting everything into the, the stock market and playing around. And these are some of the unintended consequences of the situation that we find ourselves in. One interesting theory that I've heard surrounding this is that if you look at um, the demographics of those um, retail investors who are on Wall Street bets, the Reddit community, you find that they're mostly millennial Generation Z young people. And that's important because if you rewind back in time to the 2008 global financial crisis, those same people on Wall Street Bets, the Reddit community, um, they were in high school. They were in middle school or primary school and they have first-hand knowledge and they would have seen their, um, their parents being essentially screwed over by the big banks during the subprime mortgage crisis, whereby, you know, ordinary people lost their homes, lost their livelihoods, but those people who were the real culprits of the 2008 global financial crisis, the investment banks like Lehman Brothers, their hedge funds, just the Wall Street establishment altogether, were not held to account for what they did. As far as I can remember, no one went to jail for all of that stuff. And these kids would have been watching that and seeing that and seeing how their parents suffered, losing their homes and having to move out into, you know, studio apartments and sharing homes, one family in a studio apartment or a flat or whatever it is. But the, the key point here is now, you know, they've grown up, you know, they're working, they have um, acquired all of these resources, money, etc., and this is their way to get back to those people who co caused so much um, harm and anguish to their parents. And, and, and essentially, it's a backlash. So that, that's an interesting theory to, 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 to what we saw last week, whereby this is a revolution led by the young people getting back at those people who caused so much damage to their parents and grandparents, whatever during the 2008 global financial crisis. I don't know, what do you think about that theory? Either way, though, this is great content for those social progressives, you know, those liberals like, uh, you know, Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, um, I don't know, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Bernie Sanders. These are former presidential candidates for the Democratic Party last year. Or even in the UK, like someone like a uh, former Labour Party leader, Jeremy Corbyn. Because now, you know, they have credible evidence to actually back up what they've been talking about surrounding wealth inequality, income inequality, how there's a, you know, a rigged system against the little guy. And it's always the guys at the top who are always reaping the rewards and benefiting from, you know, capitalism, etc. And now we have a undeniable piece of evidence and they're going to use that, no doubt, in, you know, elections to come or whatever campaigns they use it for. Because best believe they're going to be contrasting this with the 2008 financial crisis, whereby, you know, the big banks, as I said, they screwed over the ordinary people, uh, households, etc., uh, through the subprime mortgage crisis and no one was held to account there so the conclusion there was you know stealing from the poor is okay now we have a situation fast forward to 2021 with this GameStop Reddit Wall Street you know battle fight what you want to call it and here they'll probably say so stealing from the poor is okay but in 2021 stealing from the rich is bad and will be sanctioned. And we saw this through Robinhood, you know, blocking trading for retail investors, but still allowing hedge funds and investment banks to trade. So best believe they're going to be using this as their example to illustrate their points around the system being rigged, the economy being rigged, and, you know, not really being, uh, being for the little guy. It's always for the those at the top.
And their argument will be so hard to go against. Because I think deep down, deep down, we know. We know that the financial markets have evolved into somewhat of a casino. Whereby it's just a speculative gambling, betting game. Essentially, you know, we're just billions of dollars where we're betting on this going up, this going down. I mean, it's no different from me and you hopping on a plane right now and heading over to Las Vegas, going into a casino and playing blackjack or roulette. And it's really sad to see that because the whole point of financial markets and stock markets was for companies to access finance and to have access to capital in order to bolster their businesses. And that seemed like a pretty good, you know, rationale for financial markets and stock markets. But now, just the evolution over decades turned in this into a... Ah, it's really hard to describe, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining um, if Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels were alive today and... They were just watching this unfold before their very eyes and how proud they would have been watching, finally watching the proletariat rising up against the bourgeoisie. Like I'm just imagining, you know, Karl Marx with the widest smile through that big old beard of his, you know, jumping for joy as the young people, the young working class rise up against the baby boomers, the rich old baby boomers, the bankers and all that type of stuff and essentially win. They won. And, yo, Karl Marx, Friedrich Engels, they lighted the match and uh, <laughs> here we are. Okay, so what happens next? Are we going to see change for the better because of the events that we saw last week on the stock markets? Because of this Wall Street versus Reddit community battle, if you like. Um, the answer to that is really hard to say. I'm, I'm not sure either way whether, whether we will see change and whether that change will be for the better. Um, however, I would like to see a conversation around this um, practice of short selling. Now, I don't want to put a moral compass on the financial markets or stock markets but um short selling is strange to me because you're essentially betting on the downfall of a company you are hoping that that company um loses market share doesn't make any money you know less revenue less profit whatever and their share price goes down and yes i know that markets do not only just go up they also come down and people have to make money out of that. But I don't know. It just morally, <laughs> like preying on the downfall of somebody else and then profiting from that yourself. I, I don't know. Should we have a conversation around that idea of short selling? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. But what we do know is that um, a new movie will be coming out showcasing this saga. Yes, apparently uh, Netflix is working on something, so that should be interesting. And the only surprise there is that Michael Bay is not the director. I think this will be right up his street, being an action guy. But um, I think it'll be interesting to see as well how they portray all of the different actors in this situation. Um, is Netflix going to portray the retail investors, the villain? Or will it be Robin Hood or the hedge funds themselves? That should be um, interesting to see. And, you know, aside from that, definitely expect some congressional hearings, you know, congresswomen and senators quizzing all the different actors within this. And uh, we could see that as early as the middle of this month in February. Also, oh, definitely expect, definitely expect litigation and lawsuits coming left, right and center from all different directions. So that should be interesting. And then the future of Robin Hood. You know, what happens to Robin Hood now? Um, I'm hearing rumors that um, they might be planning an IPO, an initial public offering. So they want to go public on the stock market, which is kind of ironic given the events of last week. Um, but um, 
you know, have they lost the trust of their prime target market? You know, those millennial generation Z retail investors. Um, that remains to be seen. And is this an opportunity for other players to come into the market and capture those those people? Or does Robinhood still have the first mover advantage? So that should be interesting to see, you know, let's say five to 10 years from now, where will Robinhood be because of, you know, what happened last week? Is this their downfall? We'll see. So overall, overall, to conclude this episode, here are my final remarks. And, you know, I think this is actually a good thing. Because for what seemed like the first time ever, you actually had people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, be genuinely intrigued by the events that occurred last week. And they tried by all means to understand what was happening and immerse themselves further into the worlds of finance, stock markets, savings, investments and just generally gaining knowledge on securing their long-term economic future. And that can only be a positive. Which nicely brings me over to my next point. Education, education, education. Because, you know, some of these things aren't taught in our schools and colleges, whether it's around cryptocurrencies, financial markets, stock markets, bonds, equities, options, savings, investments, and just securing your long-term economic future. So it's best, if you're seriously thinking about entering some of these things, to speak to your financial advisor or broker and just arm yourself with the best possible advice. Because knowledge is power. And just use everything at your disposal, whether it's books, articles, journals, magazines, or YouTube. Be Above all, though, just be thoughtful, be responsible, understand the risk and reward dynamics, because, of course, markets go up, yes, and you can possibly make a ton of money, but markets also come down and you can absolutely lose everything. But what do you make of all this? Is this a new dawn, a new era for financial markets, levelling the playing field between Wall Street and ordinary retail investors. And do you actually think the retail investor, like the ones on Wall Street bets, won here? As always, hashtag economics echo to join the conversation. Well, that has been it for episode 29 of the Economics Echo podcast. Be sure to subscribe for your favorite podcast provider and join us next week as we assess whether Apple is really about to make a car with Hyundai and Kia. Until then, this is Economics Echo signing out. Peace.